The reading this morning is taken from Luke, um, chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 22. It can be found on page 1031 of the Pew Bibles and 1647 in the large print Bibles. So it's Luke, chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. It's the word of the Lord. Beautifully read, Lorna, thank you. Now, who here likes, like, theme parks, you know? roller coasters, all that sort of stuff. That's, that's most of us, I think, so that's interesting. Um, basically, I, I, I've only, I do like them. I went to one, I've got two half-sisters, and uh, when I was about 18, they were about uh, 12 or so. They said, can we go? So I said, let's go. So we went to this um, theme park, and, uh, you know, it was all, it was going to be a really exciting day, but actually it was, it was funny, looking back the whole day, it was quite funny, because uh, it was a really long journey to get there, and so they were sort of arguing in the back, and, you know, it was a bit, you know what it's like, you know the family outings that go wrong, there's a few smiles around the room, and, and then we got there, and we parked, we had to park about three miles from the place, as far as I can remember, and walk along with all the bags. It was really boring. And then we finally got in, really exciting. Wow, wow, wow. And then uh, we went straight to this uh, ride, this massive, I think it was called the corkscrew. But we had to wait, just wait, doing nothing for absolutely ages, you know. And it was really boring. But then you got on this thing, and it was wow. And then uh, we walked past this guy with a python, and a massive python, the biggest snake I've ever seen. And uh, he was saying, does anyone want to hold the python? And my half-sister said, yeah, my, my brother does. <laughs> so literally, this guy walks over. It was, it was, and he put, it was about that thick, the body, and put it around my neck, and it was really heavy. It was like having a tire or something around my neck, and I was like this, and it was like, look, look at it. And, you know, we had this amazing day, ice cream, roller coasters, highs, lows, boring, blah, 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 blah. And I want to suggest following Jesus is a bit like that, that we have highs, we have lows, we have boring times, we have really amazing times, we, we have all sorts of different seasons as we follow him. So I'm asking you three questions this morning, they're going to be fast questions, this is the first one. How is your relationship with Jesus going? <laughs> 
How is your relationship with Jesus going? Not last year, not last week, not, not, not uh, last month, but how is your uh, relationship with Jesus um, going? Now, when we catch up with the people around Jesus at this episode in his life we've just heard about, uh, they are in this, oh my gosh, Jesus is amazing, this is incredible, uh, this is phenomenal. And we looked at half of this last week, that actually Jesus, uh, he's uh, been baptized by John the Baptist, he's been tempted in the wilderness, he's around Galilee doing all sorts of stuff, he he walks into Nazareth, his hometown, and uh, he's asked to read as Lorna's just read. And he reads those words from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm not gonna repeat everything I said last week, but Isaiah was writing when the people of God were in captivity. They'd been taken hostage. And Isaiah's prophesying one day there's gonna be a person who comes, a Messiah figure, a prophet Messiah, anointed with the Spirit. He's gonna turn the for- your fortunes around. And Jesus, you remember, what does Jesus do? What does he say next? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he says, you know, I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one with the Spirit. I'm going to do all those things that Isaiah said. Guess what? He goes on and does them all. He leads people to faith. He heals people. He uh, preaches good news to the poor. He frees um, people oppressed with evil spirits. He uh, restores the sight of blind people. And he he doesn't just say words, he then demonstrates it. Then he does this crazy thing. He says to the 12 disciples, you go and do that. They're a bit sort of, "Mm," maybe a bit like, you know, Tim's um, life group. Oh, gosh, the Jesus challenge. But they go out, they step out, and guess what? They see God doing uh, exactly what Jesus was doing through them. He does it with the 72. He sends out all disciples, and they go out and do what he's been doing. And so this is an extraordinary thing where we catch up with him in this encounter. And uh, God is still doing all this thing through the power of his spirit. Why it's so important that we know how to minister with the spirit, walk in the spirit, pray for people in the power of the spirit. Why this prayer ministry thing is so key on Tuesday night. Why the Paul Harcourt day is so important. And it's still happening. I heard a story of a guy, he's going to tell it in our evening service. He's 11 called JJ. He's at a theme park in the summer, and uh, his mum, Joe, his mum's best friend, she's about 45, she's had this pituitary gland problem, she's had a tumor on her pituitary gland, and she's had some medical treatment, and uh, she goes to this theme park, and she ends up feeling really, really sick, and dizzy, and her vision starts to go, and uh, everyone's like, oh my gosh, should we stop, should we take you home? uh, JJ, aged 11, said, um, I think we should pray that you're healed. And so he put his hand on it and said, Jesus, please heal, I don't know the lady's name, Shirley. She's healed, like that. So God is still doing this, and he's still doing this stuff. Uh, I had a funny one. Despite my fails this week, there have been many. Uh, I was standing on a football. He's still out there. Now, I could have just looked at that guy and thought, I don't know where the story's going to end. I don't know. But God's on the move in his life. So this is why we've got to be speaking about our faith. We've got to be taking the opportunities, and we've got to be going for it, because a lot is at stake. Huge amounts are at stake.
So Jesus is still doing this. And I want to ask you, how's your relationship with Jesus going? Is what, I'm, is what I'm asking you. The people at this time are amazed with Jesus. He's just proclaimed he's the Messiah, verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. That's question one. Question two, how is your relationship with Jesus? Question two, what's holding you back? What's holding you back in your relationship with Jesus? As we think about the Jesus challenge, what's holding you back? In your life generally, what's holding you back from your relationship with God? And I want to suggest this morning, slightly controversially, that uh, we'll always have issues as we follow Jesus. There's always going to be stuff. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be problems. And there's always going to be issues because Jesus won't meet your expectations. He tends not to do what we really want him to do. And uh, you see that here with these people. They expected a miracle. He's been doing miracles in the area. Verse 23 Surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. And uh, they want a miracle of him because they've heard that they're doing that. And uh, he actually um, doesn't meet that expectation. He doesn't pray. He doesn't, doesn't do any healings there. It's really annoying. He doesn't meet their expectations. They expected preferential treatment from him. He actually said, you know, we did grow up together. You do know me. I, I, am, I am Joseph's son. Uh, we were in the Boy Scouts together. We did go to Pewdie together. But actually, um, you know what? I'm not going to give you preferential treatment. Uh, you're actually going to reject me. Verse 24. Tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I can assure you uh, that there were many, many widows. I'll come to that bit. In other words... He's saying, look, I'm the Messiah, I'm the prophet, you're going to reject me. And, uh, you know, I'm not giving you preferential treatment. They uh, expected him to actually really destroy all of God's enemies. Um, that's what the Israelites believed at the time. Messiah would come, he'd just smoke everyone. He'd just take out all the enemies. Jesus said, not only are you going to reject me, but when you reject me, I'm actually going to help Israel's enemies. Uh, verse 25 to 27. I won't go through this in too much detail, but uh, you can see it here. I assure you that there were many widows in uh, Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. There was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. There were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha, who was also a prophet you rejected, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So he's not, do you see, Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. He doesn't meet to heal, uh, the, to preferential treatment, to actually um, uh, smoke the uh, enemies of God. And uh, often when we follow Jesus, he doesn't meet our expectations. He meets some of them, of course, but, you know, we end up. He, he's not, has he answered all your prayers? Has he protected you from all suffering? Is he an insurance policy uh, against uh, anything bad happening? Have you got a perfect family now that you're a Christian? Perfect children, perfect husband, you have. Um, <laughs> perfect wife, oh yes. And this is important to realize that actually Jesus uh, doesn't meet all our expectations. He's wild. We've signed up to follow this wild person uh, who's uncontrollable. 
And his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. It's important we get this because actually this can prompt issues in our life. We can feel all sorts of things when God doesn't do what we want him to do. Has God done everything you've wanted him to do? He hasn't in my life. And it's really frustrating. uh, To be honest, and maybe it's just me, but you know, people react in all sorts of ways. One is with rage. I was going shopping um, the other day and there was this toddler in the aisle. I think he wanted a particular brand of cereal and his mum had clearly said no. This guy, I have absolutely lost it. You know, he's on the floor, he's pounding the floor, he's screaming at his mum. He is, at, you know, going like, I thought, oh my gosh, we might have to call an ambulance or something. He's, he's going absolutely crazy, this guy. Why? Because didn't get what he wanted. And when we follow God, we often don't get what we want. Have you ever been really annoyed that God hasn't done something? Or is it just me? It can be really annoying, can't it? I mean, let's be honest, it's really, really annoying. And to be honest, the uh, people here are really, really annoyed with Jesus, verse 28, 29. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to throw him off the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. That's anger, that's really, that's annoyed. You know, I thought, we mustn't miss the violence of this. I thought, it's easy just to read that and sort of have a super spiritual thing around that. I Googled it. I wanted a story. Um, this might sound a bit weird. I wanted a story that would capture that. So I Googled throwing off a cliff. <laughs> and I don't recommend What came up was Iraqi fighters, a video of Iraqi fighters throwing ISIS men they captured off a cliff and watching them just be obliterated at the bottom of the cliff. Now, I, didn't wa- I don't want to see that. I didn't watch that. But there's a violence here against Jesus because he hasn't done what they wanted. And we can feel that in our hearts, can't we? I mean, I've had, I've had not very often, but I mean, at times, God, why, have this, why has that happened? Why haven't you done that? I prayed, da, 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 da. And we have all sorts of reactions. It can be when God doesn't meet our expectations, we can feel really uh, annoyed. We can doubt. John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus for goodness sake, has doubts about Jesus. He says, who, who, are you really uh, the son of God? Are you really the Messiah? As he's in prison, we can feel disappointed. A few years ago, I uh, went into my kitchen and there was one of my sons there looking really depressed and flat, like majorly depressed and flat. I was quite shocked. I said, are you all right? You look really depressed and really over it. He said, I am depressed and I'm totally over it. I said, what's wrong? He said, I've just realized I can't fly. But we can get really disappointed with God uh, we can get really brokenhearted because he doesn't do what we want him to do. And the reason I'm saying all this, I wish he did. In my own life, I wish he did. Uh, the Israelites wished he did. The Pharisees uh, wished he was someone else. But he's just who he is. And I'm trying to communicate 
that actually we will feel like this at times, and that's normal. That's, people always have these sorts of reactions to Jesus, and I'm trying to encourage us, because actually, he's wild. So question one, I think, was how's your relationship was going? Question two is what's holding you back? Maybe it's some of those things. Disappointment, God hasn't come through. Uh, maybe you think, actually, I've never felt really, really annoyed with God. Or what can happen, though, to people who follow him is that your heart slightly shuts down. You think, oh, he's not done that. Or who is he? Like John, the, who is this person? And then you can end up not really stepping out in his name or your faith can be undermined and you can end up just holding back. But Jesus doesn't meet people's expectations often. Of course, he exceeds many of them, but he, he doesn't meet a lot of them. Question three. As you've identified uh, anything that's a blockage with you and your relationship with Jesus, the question is, are you gonna, are you gonna, deal, with, are you gonna deal with it? Are you going to try and process it and work through it? Because it's amazing. I, I, I have talked over my time of many people who, Christians who've had something bad happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it's just stopped their real engagement with God. And it's, it's a no-go area. And I say this with sensitivity, by the way. There's no criticism in this, but I say this with sensitivity that actually we need to be trying to process these things. And so what I want to do, are you following the thread of this, by the way? Yeah? What I want to do is end with some things we can do to think about as we uh, seek to deal with God. And just his wildness. We're, we're worshiping someone who's wild. I wanted a little puppy dog or a sugar daddy or a, someone who made me famous or a millionaire or just insure me against it. It's just not been the case. So here's a few things. Are you ready? I'm going quite fast. One, you've got to accept the wildness of Jesus. God is wild. He's utterly wild. Have you lost sight of that? I love that bit in the Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe. I think it's with Susan and the beaver. And, you know, the beaver says, you know, God's like a lion. And she goes, oh, is, is he safe? He said, no, he's not safe. But he is good. And I remember being on a safari in Africa. <laughs> and uh, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I'm, I'm in this van, and there's a, there's a, there's a lion just there. And I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to go. I'm like, get me out of here. And have you heard a lion roar? How would you feel if a lion came in now? Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> You've got to accept God's wildness. You're, you're, you're involved with, you're, you're, way out of your, you're way out of your league here with Jesus. You're, you're way out of control. Accept his wildness. Uh, embrace the mystery. You know, invariably, people, when they end up in difficult situations, uh, they want answers. I want answers. I want to understand why this has happened, why that hasn't happened, why God hasn't answered that prayer. I get that. I've wrestled with it all my life over various things. But actually, we often don't get answers. You know? Uh, we need to embrace the mystery 
of who it is that we are following. And, uh, you know, we often don't know. We often don't know really what's going on. And we have to say, okay. I had a friend who had a terrible life, an amazing Christian man. And uh, uh, I said to him, you know, have you, have, you know, what have you learned? He said, I've only learned really one thing. God really loves me. He's embraced the mystery of the disappointments, the, this God that we follow, and uh, he's just going for it. Live the paradox is the next thing. Jesus bring, brings in the kingdom. He's just said that, Isaiah 61. This is happening. Uh, healings, restoration, recovery of sight for the blind. He's brought in the kingdom. We know that, but it's not fully brought in. It will be fully brought in when he returns. So we uh, are people who are living in between. And we look at the world and we have two reactions. One is we groan. It's like, oh, do you ever groan when you look at the news and when you think about what's happened to good friends or family members? We groan. But also we, we experience great grace as well. Just wonder at who God is. And we've got to hold these two things together. The death and resurrection of Jesus. Christians get into trouble where they just look at the death and forget the resurrection. Or just look at the resurrection and, and not the death. You've got to hold these things together and live in a paradox. Knowing that one day the kingdom will fully come in. And everything will be restored. We've got to actually be comforted. We've got to learn how to let Jesus comfort you. I came to faith on the back of this passage. I read this as a non-Christian about 25 years ago. I was reading this book. I came across this episode, and I, I thought, yes, I'm going to become a Christian on this episode alone. It just clinched it for me, and it clinched it for me because I thought, wow, God, you are wild, and I, I like your wildness. You, you're about adventure. I'm up for that. But the clincher also was that there's a vulnerability here in Jesus and an empathy in Jesus, despite his strength, that actually, you know, he's carried to the top of a hill. This is God we're talking about. He knows what it is to be under pressure, to face difficult situations. He, he knows what it is to feel abandoned by God. He, he, he knows what it is to have prayers unanswered. My God, my God, why have, why have you forsaken me? And so he knows what it is to live the life that we're living and struggle with the things we're struggling with. We've got to walk with others, I want to suggest as well, as we follow God. We've got to just journey with others. We'll say more about that next week. We've got to keep taking ground. We mustn't let the disappointments, the fact that God is a mystery, that he just does what he's going to do, stop us from speaking about him to other people, from praying with expectation, from seeking to build the kingdom and take the kingdom forward. Because often once bitten, twice shy, you're shut down a bit, don't you? I think it was Jackie Pullinger who said what we need in the church is hard feet and soft hearts. Because of these disappointments, we often end up with soft feet and hard hearts. Uh, but we need to be people who take the kingdom forward. Tomorrow, today, each day. And uh, we need to be people, I want to suggest, most of all, who are hopeful people. Hopeful people. Because actually, Jesus doesn't meet 
our expectations. He meets some of them, but actually he is going to exceed our expectations. This is the point. So I don't understand depressive. Jesus doesn't do this, doesn't do that, doesn't do that. Actually, he does a lot. But uh, he's going to exceed our expectations. And uh, you see this, really, a glimpse of this in the last verse of this little interaction. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. And you see someone who is not just wild, not just compassionate, not just vulnerable, but someone who's powerful. The truth is, he's not just Joseph's son, as his people in the hometown thought he was. He's actually, he is the Messiah. And the genealogies at the start of Luke's gospel, the baptism, what the father says, the temptation in the wilderness, this episode is just saying, I'm actually not Joseph's son. I'm actually the Messiah, and I'm changing the whole of humanity. And when I return, when I return, I'm going to restore everything. And he's going to do immeasurably be more than we ask or imagine. He's going to exceed our expectations. In a twinkling of an eye, everything's going to be changed. So I hope I've managed to communicate what I wanted to communicate this morning, which is it's trying to be an encouraging acknowledgement that, yes, Jesus just bring in the kingdom. Yes, we see amazing answers to prayer. Yes, he transforms our lives. But also, we, we, we struggle with a paradox that there's lots of stuff we don't see him do. And uh, that's normal in our Christian life. And we mustn't let that stop us from really stepping out, pressing in, being confident, speaking about him. Mustn't stop us from being bold and just going for it. Because he's going to exceed all things, ultimately.